Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, to say a lot has happened since our last podcast would be a bit of an understatement. So we've got a lot to catch up on as we welcome you into the Capitol Building Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Carlin. We are part of Blue Wire Podcast. Please remember to download, subscribe, write a uh, review, leave a rating. All helps get the word out about the Capitol Building Podcast, the most in-depth podcast about your favorite team anywhere. Today, we've got from The Athletic, my good buddy, Tarek El-Bashir, to join me as we discuss Henrik Lundqvist and the stunning announcement that there was a heart problem and it would force him to walk away from the game. And perhaps this is the last we ever see of a future Hall of Fame goaltender who never even got to suit up in a Caps uniform and what that means for that position moving forward. Plus, oh, by the way, hockey's coming back. The NHL has announced that there will be a 56-game schedule starting on January 13th. So a ton to drill down on as we welcome Tarek in. And the news about Henrik Lundqvist was so stunning because here's a guy, Tarek, that was like the picture of health, the picture of dependability, never really missed any time in his entire career with the Rangers, then comes here and Caps fans are thinking, man, what a perfect mentor for Ilya Samsonov. What a perfect guy to fill the shoes of Braden Holtby. What a guy to push Samsonov because as much as we all thought he'd be the starter, Lundqvist was here to start games and win a Stanley Cup. And then out of the blue, this happens. What was your first thought when you saw the tweet from the King? Well, the the previous day um, I covered a uh, Capitals charity event. Uh, uh, which uh, Henry Henrik was supposed to be involved, and he was a late scratch. And just knowing the kind of person he is, uh, the type of character he has, you know, he was visiting with sick kids in the hospital. I was like, S- you know, being a late scratch, so- something serious happened here. So my my antenna went up a little bit. Um, didn't really get anywhere with my reporting. I, I was also working on that story, and I said, okay, well, I'll get to it. You know, the, the following day to see, you know, if I can figure out what happened. And then I saw the tweet from, from, from Lundquist. And, you know, it, it was kind of a mixture of surprise and shock and, and sadness. You know, I, I, you know, you and I are both fathers. He's, he's a father, you know, of, of young kids. And, you know, the first thing you think of is, you know, man, I hope it's not serious. And I'm glad that it seems they, they, they caught it early, uh, whatever the, the heart malady is. Uh, you just hope that, you know, he's going to, you know, um, uh, get the treatment that he needs and, um, you know, is going to be able to live a long and, um, you know, fruitful life. I mean, <clears throat> you know, like I said, I, you know, your heart just goes out to someone who, you know, just suddenly has everything kind of taken away from him. You know, um, there was a headline uh, to a column by Larry Brooks, my colleague from the New York Post, who's covered the Rangers since, you know, uh, God, since I was a kid, he's been there forever. You know, it was um, the headline was something to the effect, 
you know, an imperfect ending to a, to a, you know, perfect career. I mean, you, you know, it was, it, we don't know that this is the last that we've seen of, of uh, Henrik, but he'll be 39 in, in March, I believe, you know, I, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really tough for him to, to, you know, find his way back to the NHL next season. Yeah. And that's what made this so shocking and disappointing for caps fans is, it did seem like kind of the perfect time for this. He had one year left. Now, granted, this isn't the Vesna winning Stanley Cup charging Henrik Lundqvist. This is a guy who was really right. beaten out by two different Russian goaltenders with the Rangers. But if, you know, he, yes, he was coming here to try and win a starting job. But if what we all think would have been, you know, the situation is he's here to mentor, he's here to push, he's here to teach. And in a compressed right. schedule, you're playing three and four nights or four games in a week. What a perfect guy to come in there fairly often in the midst of this busy schedule and get these starts much better than you feel of, you know, whether or not it's going to be Vitek Vanacek or Phoenix Copley, or if they're going to bring a guy off the street, I'd much prefer to have a Henrik Lundqvist in that spot for one year at a, at a reasonable salary cap number. And then this happens. And now, couple of weeks before the season, it's a little bit of an emergency for the Caps. I, I agree with most of what you said there. Um, I, you know, I, I do think when the signing was made, you know, I think a lot of people got excited because, hey, it's Henrik Lundqvist, future Hall of Famer, the guy who was such a pain in the butt in the, all those playoff series. Uh, you know, a guy who made life really hard on Alex Ovechkin and his teammates. Um you know, and then there was all the ancillary stuff, like his legendary competitiveness. Um, you know, as you said, uh, you know, would be a great mentor because, you know, you talk to anyone who's covered the Rangers or has been around the Rangers. You know, Henrik was the first guy in the building, you know, that old cliche, the last guy to leave. You know, he was the first guy on the ice. He was taking extra shots, um, uh, always trying to work to, to kind of improve his game or to keep his game, um, uh, you know, at, at the highest level it could be. Um, I can tell you that as it started to become more and more apparent that the season was going to get pushed back and then pushed back, I had a number of people from around the league, you know, talking to them about other things related to the Capitals, say, hey, keep an eye on, on, uh, on Henrik and some of the older players. You know, history has shown that bodies that, that, are, that, that are in motion stay in motion. And when you get older and you have these long layoffs, sometimes on the other side of, you know, season starting in the middle of the year, we've had that a few times now, um, those old guys just kind of fall off a cliff and it's just hard for them to kind of get, you know, get their, get their mojo back to kind of, you know, rediscover their game. You know, it, 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 it's happened a few times. Um, some players that I've covered, uh, especially when you're, I mean, you're talking about a 38 year old man who's, you know, uh, sure he's taking great care of himself, but, um, you know, you're now out of rhythm. You're starting a season in January. So there are a lot of people who said, you know, who, who just kind of pumped the brakes when I talked to them today. You know, I know Henry said, has said he was coming here to win the starting job and what, you know, other teams when they were evaluating him, including the Rangers, thought that he was already done. So I don't know. I, I, I mean – I think anyone who thought that he was going to come in and, and, you know, completely steal the job from Ilya Samsonov and lead the team to a Stanley cup, it was probably not going to go that way. Anyway, it might've been a one, one, a kind of, kind of deal um, at, at, at best. Um, but you, you just hate for it to, to, to end like this. You know, I, 
I, I think I know he was preparing hard. Um, I know the team was looking forward to having him. And, you know, now they're going to have to go to go to the black, the, 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 the backup plan, no pun intended. And, you know, the, the, the plan before Henrik fell into their laps was to go with Vitek Vanacek, you know, who had beaten out Phoenix Copley uh, in the bubble. Uh, and then, you know, and then Henrik was bought out and all of a sudden they realized you know, this, they'd be able to work out a deal with him. So um, it looks like right now, Rob, they're going back to square one, which is going to be Samsonov as the number one, assuming he's 100% healthy. We think he is. Uh, and then some form of VTech Phoenix um, as, as the number two, three, because, you know, because of the new rules, teams are compelled to keep three goaltenders on the roster. Uh, you, you know, you know, two are up, and then one is going to be on that taxi squad. So, if they don't sign someone, I assume they're going to go with those three. That you know, they're going to have some cap relief from Henrik contract, according to one of my sources. So, they, they are going to have a little money to go get someone like a Ryan Miller, or you know, who's also thirty nine years old. They're going to have some options. Would you do? Wanna, would you do that, or would you rather go into the season with really three unproven goalies? Here's what I would do. If I were Brian McClellan, and I sometimes pretend like I'm Brian McClellan, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking out. Uh, <laughs> of course <laughs> Let me just tell you, it's a good thing I'm not a general manager. <laughs> you, blow past, uh, you blow past the salary cap every time you do one of these exercises. Every single time. And I'll, I'd also make rash decisions that don't make any sense to me later. I, it just would not make any sense. Anyone who knows me knows that. I don't think things through all the all that well all the time. Uh, anyway, getting or back or to, really very often at all. So at all, <laughs> very much a seat of your pants kind of guy. Yes. Um, but if if, um, if if I were running the team, I would go into at least training camp with Samsonov as my number one, assuming he's healthy. I would let VTech and, and Phoenix kind of duke it out for number two, knowing that kind of VTech kind of comes in um, maybe a step ahead because of the way things ended. You know, he, he was, um, he was kind of that guy in the bubble. Um, and then I would watch those first 10 days of camp very closely, maybe even go into the season. Look, I don't think Ryan Miller and those guys are going anywhere. I, I think, you know, you obviously you put out your feelers and say, Hey, listen, we're going to kind of monitor things. If things don't go out, don't, don't go well, we may give you a call. Um, and then, you know, if it's, if it's apparent at the end of, of a truncated training camp that things aren't going to work out the way you want it in terms of backup, or, you know, let's say even Samsonov, then you go and you make a desperation move, which is kind of what you would need to do here. Um, otherwise, I think I'm going to run with the role with the young guys until they show me they, they can't do it. And if they show me they can't do it, like, Let's say Sammy gets off to a bad start. You know, there's no indication that he's going to, or he's not healthy. And it's, it's clear that, you know, VTech or Phoenix, just they aren't up to it right now. At that point, you got to, as a manager, given everything that's at stake this season, I mean, where this team is and its trajectory, you might have to, to make, a, make a, a bold, bold trade to go get somebody. You might have to give up some stuff you don't want to give up. But, I mean, my feeling, and I've written this for The Athletic a couple of times now, is – I thought last year they had last year and this year in this current window, you know, last year happened. <laughs> now they're at this year, you know, um, it, it's almost like if, if things don't work out now, you're looking at a soft rebuild at the very least. Um, but if things do work out and then things fall apart, you just go, Hey, Hey fans, we won two cups. 
you know, I mean, give us a break. I mean, it's like what happened with Chicago and with Los Angeles. And Oh, you know, yeah, that's really- easy. That's easy. No, no one cares at that point. That's easy. Right. So I, I, I think the, the, the thing that, that management probably needs to guard against here with regard to goaltending and even just this roster is kind of half measures. You know, like, oh, we'll go get this. And just hope that works out. And no, this is a, here are my chips. Here's the middle of the table. You know, let's go for it, boys. And that's pretty much been McClellan's, you know, MO. Yeah, that's what he does. So what's the, what's the money situation like cap relief and like, could they tinker with the roster? If they feel that Vanacek and or Copley is good enough, can they tinker with the roster? Is there room enough to maybe bring in a player? What kind of money relief are we looking at? Well, Henrik signed for one year at one and a half million dollars. The way it was explained to me, and it was a little cryptic, but it was from a person who knows. They said the player and the team have options to work things out um, between them, between themselves in terms of that, that contract. The Lundquist's contract. contract. <laughs> Lundquist's contract. Right. Um, the $1.5 million will not harm the team on the cap. So it does sound like there's going to be some money opening up. So for example, um, you know, BTEC is the lowest paid goaltender on the roster by quite a bit. I believe he's somewhere in the low 700s, maybe not even 720. Um, so if you were to put him on the roster, in theory, that would open up, you know, um, uh, less than a million, but you'd have a little bit of wiggle room. But if you're the caps, you're probably going to hold back a little bit of that just in case things don't work out and you do have to go add, let's say, a, a Ryan Miller for a million bucks or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I, I, I feel like, you know, they're they're pretty well stocked in other spots. I mean, you know, there are some question marks, you know, third line right wing, you know, Ilya Kovalchuk obviously not returning, uh, headed to the KHL. That spot is going to belong to Daniel Sprong from, from the beginning. He hasn't shown over the course of, a career, of his career that he can be that everyday guy. Uh, they're going to count on him to be that everyday, everyday guy. The other questions in goal. After that, I think they did enough on the blue line and the, the up front. They're pretty much the same group. So, you know, it's to me, and I've said this a number of times, I, I feel like Peter Laviolette was the key offseason addition. That right. was the big right. move. You spent $5 million on a coach after, you know, not – you know, barely crossing a million bucks on so many others. Um, so you, you've got the big name coach who has the reputation for turning things around quick and holding star guys accountable and, you know, bringing structure to the ice. I mean, he has got to get it done with this group, but he's probably got to get it done this year because after that, you know, uh, it, it's going to be hard to expect Ovechkin the following year at 36 and, and, you know, Backstrom at 34 and, who knows if Oshie is going to get plucked in the expansion draft and, you know, the whole decor is going to be on the wrong side of 30. Like things are going to start, you know, going in the wrong direction and, you know, it, it can get, it can get uh, late pretty quickly uh, right. when a team gets up to 30. So the pressure is really on for them to, to, to get the job done this year. 2020 has certainly reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, 
Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit as Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is indeed back in full swing, and we are getting towards the playoff chase. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So you had mentioned a couple of times here the taxi squad. Uh, explain the taxi squad going into this season. Well, you know, I, I'm still kind of going through it all. It's, it's all kind of um, uh, being announced, um, you know, it's been announced since the weekend. Uh, but it sounds like it's going to be a four to six person uh, squad. Um, uh, you'll be able to call players up from that uh, um, um, squad. They'll have to go through waivers when they go back down. Like, so at the end of training camp, you'll have to, the players will have to go through waivers to get to the, the taxi squad. The thing that I'm curious about uh, is going to be, I mean, I, I, everyone's curious about this, who's going to be on that squad. Are you going to, are you going to keep just your AHL veterans who can come in and plug a hole? You know, a guy like, let's say Paul Ledoux doesn't make the opening night roster. Remember he was signed in the off season to a one-way contract or Daniel Carr, another kind of tweener who was signed to a one-way contract. It's, it's funny you also bring this up because they, they signed some of these guys and it was like, what are they doing? Where are these guys going to fit? They're paying some dude $700,000 to play in Hershey. I, uh, McClellan and, and, and his people knew that something like this was, was going to come about. Um, he is better at being a GM than you are. <laughs> he, he seems to know what he's doing. He seems right. to know what he's doing. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I think it's going to be comprised of people along the, of that ilk. You know, what's, what's curious, to, what I'm curious about is what about your top prospects who may not have an OHL to play in? You know, Connor McMichael, uh, you know, uh, what about the AHL guys like Martin Faravari and Alex Alexiev? You know, what's going on with Hershey? Like, how do they kind of figure out, okay, these are guys like Daniel Carr and Paul Ledoux who can, we can plug right in if we have an injury or, you know, a positive test or whatever um, uh, versus – okay, here's some young guys that we think are going to be really good at some point. 
Um, their leagues aren't playing right now. Let's get them with our – sort of like what they did with that bubble group when they were in Toronto, the, uh, the, the black aces that were in Toronto. It'll be interesting to, to see how they handle that. Um, I mean, I'm sure they've already got a pretty good idea of um, who's going to be in that group, and I'm sure the marching orders are going to be meted out here uh, in short order. Um, Brian McClellan will be speaking to the media at some point here soon, I'm told. So, um, you know, stay tuned for some some more details of who's going to be on that. But it's it's uh, everything about this is unlike anything we've seen before. Like it's just this has never happened. I mean, it's it's going to yes. be kind of um, yeah. it's, it's so it makes be, it kind of interesting exciting. and fun. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, we've never seen sure. anything like this, and they're going to it's going to be a, a white knuckle, you know, red line all the way through the season. To me, and you know, you're battling two ends of the sword here on what I would do with that because. Like you said, if there's no OHL and there's no AHL, I would want Connor McMichael around Nicholas Backstrom every day. I would want Alex Alexiev around John Carlson and, you know, and, and, um, and, uh, uh, that, 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 what's his name? Who they just signed? Brendan, uh, oh, Brendan uh, Dillon. Bre- Brendan yeah. Dillon. Yeah. Um, I said Brendan Witt. And I was like, no, he's not on the team anymore. Uh, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> right, right. Brendan, well, he was one of my all-time faves. <laughs> he was a great guy. Very smart guy. Yeah. Very good dude. I don't know how he'd survive in today's NHL though. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, like I'd want Alexiev to soak up all that knowledge to practice every day against these guys, to see what it takes. How do you carry yourself as an NHL player on a day-to-day, not in a bubble, which I'm sure was, Great experience. In fact, I spoke to Connor McMichael, as you have, and he learned a ton in that time. But I'm talking about, you know, however the travel is going to be, however the, 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 you know, day-to-day of a regular season is going to be, to learn how to be a professional. But then there is the side of, okay, but if I need one of them to play, I need a guy who can step in and play. So there is, there are two ends to that, but I always sort of go with, Give me the kids and let them learn rather than a guy who's, I mean, yeah, so he won't, so a car won't feel out of place, but is he really going to help? I don't know. You know, like I'd give McMichael a shot for a game or two. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, you know, the other thing is a lot of those young guys have bigger cap hits than, than some of those, um, those extras too. So you know, money always comes into play. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they, if they do uh, end up spending the money that, that it seems like they're going to get back from, you know, Henrik uh, stepping away from the game. Uh, it's just, like I said, it, this is all uncharted territory. It's going to be really, really fun and interesting to, to chronicle it. I mean, um, for nine months, I've had eight games to cover. <laughs> You know how hard it is to, to come up with content every day, Rob, when, when you've had eight games in like yes. nine months? Yes, I yeah, do. It's really cool to actually have stuff to write about now. You know, <laughs> it's really cool to have stuff to break down. And pretty soon there's going to be games. We're going to be at Capital One Arena looking down at hockey. Like I, I'm going to teach myself like, like I'm sure there's going to be a couple of whistles where I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> well, oh, you know, right. I, I think um, I think it also goes for hockey riders where with the body in motion and when the body stops, like when the brain's in motion, it's good. The brain stopped for a while now for a lot of us, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like get back. You know, I'm in pretty the- sure I stole that quote. I'm pretty sure I stole that body in motion quote from Bruce Boudreaux. I'm pretty sure that was his quote. Oh, I think okay. he used to say that he used to say that about days off. That's why he wasn't a huge fan of like, you know, there was the mandatory day off, but he didn't like that other day off or that other 
optional practice. He was a big fan of just keeping everybody. Even if you just, even if you just went on the ice for 15, 15 minutes just to kind of get the blood going. He always was. He always liked that. No, I'm telling. I was talking. Which is why I drove him crazy when Alex went. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> the the player optional day off. Uh, <laughs> right. The um, I was talking to Ryan Billy, who you know, my former producer for our former producer for pre and post game shows at NBC Sports Washington. Now does the games, and he's the same thing. He's like, I'm super stoked. I've also forgotten how to work. Like you know, like everything's been from home. You know, Zoom calls. Like he's like, oh my god, I have to like shower and get dressed and leave the house with a purpose and work a long day again. Like I got to get you, my body trained for that again. I'll be honest. Like the last three or four days I've had stuff going on. I've gotten kind of cranky. Like a couple of times I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I got another zoom call. And then I got to transcribe that thing. And it's like, you know, you're happy that it's back, but it's like, you were so used to your days just being like, you, know, you could really pace yourself. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, I, I guess it's real. I'm busy again. <laughs> My wife and kids. Right, right. <laughs> See especially now. Uh, playoffs. Right. Yep, especially now with the busy schedule. So what do you make of, what is it, 56 games in like 100 and, I don't know, like 130 days or something like that? It's going to be crazy compacted schedule. It's the only way they can get it done. The plan is to get it done by, you know, like mid-July. So next season starts on time. Just sort of your broad stroke takeaway from uh, what I think is the, you know, the the best or only way they could have done uh, make out of this horrendous situation. The team that stays the healthiest. The team that's already kind of among the elite, you know, there's that group of like 10, 12 teams, you, you, you know, has a roster. I put the Capitals in that group, maybe towards the, probably towards the bottom at this point, but they're in that group. The team that stays the healthiest, I think is going to go the furthest. Um, uh, and, and health is going to be such, such a big part of this. Uh, I don't think you're going to see many practices. I don't think you're going to see many like hard practices. Um, I mean, guys are going from zero to six years, really zero to a hundred. I mean, that first game, no exhibitions. I mean, they're going from a, from a friendly scrimmage to now playing, you know, whoever it is on that first night, right, to, to opening night. And then it's going to be a sprint to the finish. And you, you look at you look at when teams start to get kind of banged up and run down. It's when they've gone through several stretches of those three and fours and, you know, five and eights and, and you know, stretches along, along, um, along those lines where, you know, just the mileage starts to kind of pile up a little bit. So – I mean, I think it's going to be really exciting. I think the Canadian division is probably a little overrated. I know my Canadian uh, media brethren probably think it's the coolest thing ever. Eh. I mean, I guess watching, <laughs> you know, watching Matthews line up against uh, McDavid, you know, a hundred times. I mean, it, it, it'll be cool the first couple times, but after a while, eh, I don't know. Um, but I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this also. The Capitals are in a tough division. I mean, they just got Boston thrown into the mix. Um, yeah, sure. I don't think the Devils are going to be up to much. I think Buffalo might be a little better, but I don't think they're they're ready to really push anybody. But the rest of it, it's just the Metro with Boston thrown in there now. Four teams are going to make it. A couple of teams are going to go home. Um, uh, so, it, you know, health, and I think getting off, I mean, there's not going to be much wiggle room, Rob. You're not going to be able to start off January slowly. Uh, and, you know, maybe get into early February and you're still trying to find your game. You got to find your game fast. And that's where I think having a veteran leading, ro- veteran leading roster like the Capitals and having a coach 
in Laviolette. Now it's a new coach who's still going to be getting, you know, his feel for the players. Um, but having guys who've done it and been there, I think that's going to help um, a lot. You know, how much t- gas is in the tank when they get to the part of the season that really matters? Yeah, it's harder for 30-somethings to kind of maintain. But I think in terms of getting off to a solid start, I think the Capitals are going to be um, in a good spot. You, you know, as they say, you, you know, you can't make the Stanley Cup playoffs in October, really January, but you can miss it in, in January, right? So you, you get off to a slow start, you can bury yourself. So how do you think having a new coach? Yes, these guys are grizzled veterans. They've been through a lot of coaches and a lot of systems, but now they're going to have a very demanding coach with a very demanding <laughs> style. And there's, you know, like eight days to learn his systems. How does that affect maybe like you're saying the early games when they're still learning or is that overblown? I, I think it's overblown. I, I, I think that, um, like you said, these every player on this team has played for multiple coaches at the highest level. They've been introduced to different forechecks and different neutral zones and, you know, different D zone coverages. And um, I, I have to imagine that they're going to catch on faster than, let's say, you know, a 21 year old who's learning, you know, learning to play at this level for the first time. Um Training camp is going to be intense, man. It's going to be intense because, like I said, it's going to be compacted. There's not going to be a whole lot of time to really try it out against, you know, even even inter-squad scrimmage. It's going to be a lot of probably classroom and teaching. And then, you know, you better figure this out real quick because, um, you know, your your uh, opening night's, you know, right around the corner. I mean, you don't have any time to, to kind of mess around. So I, I do think, again, that veteran-laden roster that's already been through you know, like you said, I mean, they've played for Glenn Hanlon and Bruce Boudreaux and Dale Hunter and Adam Oates and, you know, they, they, they Todd Reard and they, they had Barry Trotz. They, they've had a lot of systems. <laughs> um, there's, and there's only so many out there, right? <laughs> um, I, I think that um, uh, that's going to that's gonna work out. So a peek behind the curtain here. We were just talking before we started recording this. And I was like, hey, Tarek, what do you make of this, uh, that an East team could play an East team in the Stanley Cup? And he's like, wait, what? So we started like, or is this really like, you know, like I'd seen a tweet about it. I wasn't 100% sure. And you're working on other things right now. I'm working on other things right now. So it sounds like this, you know, we keep saying like this whole thing is there, like we've never seen before. These playoffs are going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. There's no East versus East. I mean, there's no more conferences. I mean, it's now four separate divisions, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, the the Boston Bruins could play, you know, I don't know. Um, what, what division are they in? They could end up playing like the Montreal Canadiens, right, in the final. I mean, it, it's going to be outrageous. I, not that I can see that happening. But, um, but yeah, it's it's anything you knew about hockey, Anything that you felt like you knew going into the season, you know, you know, this is going to be the most unpredictable craziness. Um, um, You know, one thing I was reading right before we started talking was it sounds like they're, you know, they're working on the the schedules right now, Rob. It's going to be some, some of the games are going to be like you play the Pittsburgh Penguins in back-to-back games. Like it's going to be a lot. How much fun is that going to be? I mean, some and one one uh, uh, report I saw said you know sometimes three straight because think about it. I mean, if you're playing, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're playing the Vancouver Canucks, you can't go back and forth. I mean, that's a whole continent, right? That's just gonna wear your guys out. 
I mean, I think not only is that going to be fun, I think it's going to lead to some frayed nerves and some raw emotion. And, you know, I, I think, I don't think there's going to be a ton more fighting, but it's going to get a little chippier. I mean, guys are definitely going to be sick of seeing one each other um, um, a lot sooner than maybe they would have in years past. So uh, I, I, again, I mean, it's, it's probably a purist nightmare, but if you ever wanted to, if you ever wondered, you know, what chaos would look like, I mean, we're about to find out here over the next, uh, the next several months. Yeah. It's great too, because I, I'm just thinking about it. And again, the Islanders in 1980, when they won that first Stanley cup, they played the LA Kings in round one and they played the flyers in the Stanley cup. And I remember like a couple of years ago thinking about it and I was like, wait, how did they put the flyers in the Stanley cup? But again, this was reseeding each way through the playoffs. So they ended up playing a, a bitter rival in that. Now you could end up like, you know, we all want the caps to get there, but like, imagine, you know, a Boston versus a Montreal, like two original six teams like that, or a Boston versus, you know, uh, Toronto versus Tampa, you know, arguably two of the, like there could be some really interesting matchups in a Stanley cup final. That could be wild wild stuff you know before we even get that far i'm curious to to know what happens if this season and we no one hopes this happens and we're all hoping that it doesn't happen what if there's you know an outbreak on a team and and one team that was set to play another team three times has to push those games do you remember that that um that ravens game that got moved like what three or four times before they played the steelers on was like wednesday was it a wednesday after Asked when they were supposed to play without their star quarterback. I mean, RG3 was starting against the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? On like a Wednesday. I think there's a potential for some of that too. I mean, you hope it doesn't happen. You, 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 but there, when, you, when you play sports without a bubble, we saw it with college football. I mean, you know, you follow University of Maryland. I saw, I've read a few articles about them and uh, during this downtime. And I mean, good God. I mean, how many games did they cancel, Rob? Three or four? I mean, it was like, I mean, it, it, I think there's a potential for chaos on, on that side, too. I mean, what if a team misses six or seven games? Like, how do they make up? I, I don't know. Oh, I, I, I feel like it's almost guaranteed that that's going to happen. I mean, the, these You're are out, around. Yeah, these are outdoor sports compared to indoor sports. I don't know how much that makes a difference, but I feel like it's probably got to make some. There's going to be travel. I think all sports, and it would really, like, piss me off sometimes, and either friends of mine or fans would be like, what a joke. Just cancel the college football season. What a joke. Why is Major League Baseball starting? You remember when baseball had like one team and played like eight games and one team and played like 24 games. The beginning games. was terrible for baseball. Right, yeah. but, but they're all just trying to figure this out the best way they can. I think for all the bitching about college football, like 80 some odd percent of the games got played this year. Like I think this is their, they're going to do the best they can. So when games start getting canceled and – a schedule that is supposed to see the Caps play the Penguins three times in four nights. And we were all super stoked for it because, oh, my God, the hatred by that third game is going to be so intense. It's going to be like a mini playoff series. If those games get bagged, move on. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, we're just going to have to all learn to, to move on for whatever happens. So, the, you know, the NBA season begins here in short order, right? Um, yeah, so, I think the – yeah, so I, I think the um, the NHL will will have at least at the very least three weeks of 
kind of best practices, you know, seeing how they handle stuff. I think they're, they're probably going to run into some problems early on too. Um, and so, you know, that's not a whole lot of time to study um, the, uh, another league, but it's a little bit of time to kind of, say, Oh, well they did that. Let's not do that. Let's, let's not, you know, let those people into the hotel. Let's not do, you know, that. Um, so I, I, I think if they're smart and they are smart people running this league, they'll, they'll do a very, very close eye on, um, on, on how Adam Silver and those guys uh, fare over it when the NBA, NBA begins tomorrow, right? 20, yeah, begins tomorrow, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a great point that they, that they learned, I think, from the NBA in the bubble to start with, and they'll probably do a little bit of that now too. Uh, I'll let you get out of here. One more thing that kind of jumped out at me today, and just it, uh, I, I read, I guess the Flyers had a, um, a media availability today, and I saw some Flyers writers um, quoting Elaine Vigneault saying that uh, Matt Niskanen is going to have an impact on that team for years to come because of the time that he was there. You know, he obviously retired. They gave him every opportunity to decide whether or not he wanted to come back. And he was just, he was done. He was so beloved here. And when he, when he came back and got that video, you know, the video tribute was such a great moment for him. You know, here's a guy who doesn't really like to show any emotion whatsoever on the ice, but he, you know, he, he felt it. Um, I just thought it was really cool that a guy like Matt Niskanen, who I think when Orpik and Niskanen both came here, Orpik was seen as the more valuable one. And maybe in some ways he was because of the, that culture that he helped build. But I think Niskanen was, I mean, in one and one a for the impact they had and the culture that they built and the fact that he brought it to the flyers and helped kind of, you know, steady them and, just, I, I just felt good to, to hear that, that Niskanen's sort of getting the love he deserves because he really was a hell of a warrior here and meant so much to that Stanley Cup that I, when I read the quotes, I was like, that's good, man. I'm glad that they're, they're you know, making sure that people understand how important Niskanen was. Not even sort of surprising. Um, you know, the, the one thing you learn um, as you get older and, and you've worked for different companies and you've worked for – uh, you've covered different teams and organizations is how important culture is. Like, it's not something you can just put your finger on and go, Oh, there's culture. I'm touching it. You can't touch it, you know, but, but you, as soon as you walk into a situation, you can, you know, if it's right or wrong, you walk into a building and the interns are wearing suits. You're like, you walk, you walk into a building and you know, important people are walking around in flip-flops and, 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 and shorts. And you're like, eh. I mean, it's just, it's little things like that where, you know, again, you, you can't feel it. You can't touch it. It's not tangible, but, but you know, when a team or an organization has it and when they don't and uh, Niskanen brought some of that professionalism, I think to, to the way the caps and with Orpic, I mean, and, and they even said, I, if I remember correctly, I hope I'm not putting words in Brian McClellan's mouth, but I feel like they said, we paid a lot of money for these two cats. And the reason we did it was because they're going to bring another level of accountability to this room. They did. He did. Um, uh, Niskanen was, was, it was a fun guy to cover, man. He, he's going to be missed. I mean, he was a blast to cover. Um, yeah. You know, the, the thing I, the thing I'll miss about covering Matt, and I'll, I'll, Give it back to you in a second. Was after the bad losses, always there. You didn't have you, you you knew who the first guy was going to be, and he didn't really want to do it, but he knew he had to do it. And he had that scowl, and his arms were crossed like this. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't yeah we played bad yeah we didn't execute yeah I mean he would he he took the varnish was off I mean he 
he, he took the gloves off. I mean, it was, yeah, you know what? When I showed up at the rink today, I saw guys were messing around. I knew we weren't going to, you know, I mean, he was very succinct and to the point and, you know, um, uh, didn't bite his tongue. And you know what? The guys on the team, they, they, they hear that. I mean, guys would stop, guys on the way to the shower would go, oh, Matt, Matt's talking. You know, or they would look on Twitter later to see what he had to say. And they're, oh, yep, yep, that's about right. And, you know, that again, that goes to culture and, you know, bringing that winning attitude, that professional attitude. I, I always, I've said it many times, uh, whenever we, there was a bad loss and Alan May and I would be sitting out on the desk in post game and you know how it goes. You're just getting your ear. Uh, we got Matt Niskanen sound and I'd always toss to it and I'd say, you know, all right, so the Caps lose another one, five, one final score today. We got Matt Niskanen. This could be, <laughs> this could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, like, well, let's hear what he has to say about this one. Like, Alan and I were like, oh, man, he's going to, th- you know, he's not going to. The pull number punches, of times man. he was the lead quote in my story. Yeah. After right. a loss, I would say not eight out of 10 times. Right. He was always, always the first one there. And that's an important role because Ovi's not going to be that guy. Backstrom's not going to be that guy. For the most part, Oshie won't be that guy. Wilson will sometimes, and Matt Niskanen always was. And that's not a knock on any of those guys. There's the language barrier. There's the amount of media that they do. But Matt Niskanen was always there. And again, it was just it was cool that Philadelphia honored him like that. I was glad that Elaine Vigneault pointed out how important he was to what Philadelphia accomplished last year. So hockey is on the way. Uh, that is great news. The Caps have to figure out the goalie situation, but... Um, who cares? Get back on the ice and let's have some fun. It's, it's good to have hockey talk again. Tarek is great catching up with you. Hope all is well. Thanks so much. Thanks, bud. There's my guy, Tarek El-Bashir. Again, please download, subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. All helps get the word out about the Capitol Building Podcast, part of Blue Wire Podcast. We will talk again soon. I'm Rob Curlin. Let's go, Caps. <laughs>